as simple as a discount, as impactful as a donation. That's what Gives is all about. And today we bring founder Andrew Foreman to the show. That's G-I-V-Z. And before founding Gives, he spent six years in investment banking and was the treasurer of a nonprofit organization. He holds an MBA from Harvard Business School and a bachelor's in mathematics and economics from Hamilton College. He now lives in New York, proud dad of a three-year-old daughter, one-year-old son, but still tries to make time for recreational sports. And I think everybody can resonate as they get older. We miss those days. If you're an athlete playing Little League, all the younger sports. But as far as gives goes, they help Shopify merchants use donation incentives and discounts. If you're ready to detox from the discount drug, Give a give the gives playbook a try, and that link will be in the show description. Just scroll down. But more about gives. It's a proven tool for driving sales and better engaging consumers over all age and income groups. It lets you convert discounts into donations, adding a tangible value of purpose and meaning to every sale. It's more cost effective than discount campaigns, and consumers can also support organizations and causes closer to their heart, while charities receive funding they would otherwise not get. But I'm about ready to kick this show off, Andrew, and stay tuned for this week's Spotlight story near the halfway point of the show, as we have a former investment banker turned entrepreneur on the show with us today. We're going to go over this article I found titled, Investment Bakers Turned Entrepreneurs, The Critical Skills Required to Succeed, and then we'll get Andrew's take on it. But let's get it going, Andrew. Why did you become an entrepreneur? What led you to start your entrepreneurial journey? Well, thanks so much for having me, first of all. Um, and as for the question, I'm excited to be here. As for the question, what got me started on this entrepreneurial journey? I've actually listened to a couple of episodes previously here from you. Uh, and, and you mentioned, you know, you did, you know, shoveling snow, whatever, when you were from a young age uh, entrepreneur. So I thought back to times when I was, uh, I did one year of sleepaway camp. It was really not my thing. But during that one year, we we signed up for the golf tournaments and, and we went out to the golf course, bought a bunch of McDonald's on the way back, had, you know, our old soggy McDonald's chicken nuggets and fries, but would sell them for like $5 per chicken nugget because you were at camp and the food was terrible. Um, and so people would do that. So that I think was my first business. We also bought a bunch of sunflower seeds packs and sold those. Um, and then all the way up to my first like real job uh, before college. So in high school, I was hired by Vector Marketing or Cutco Knives as people know them. And so I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of start there um, was one of the highest uh grossing, I guess, knife salesman <laughs> on the on the eastern half of the United States. Um, and that was a really job that that opened my eyes to, oh, wow, like, you know, I could really have my own business here if that's what I wanted to do. Um, ultimately decided to take a, a little bit of a safer path. I was a bit more risk averse, especially when I was younger. I said, hey, why don't I do investment banking for a little bit, see how long uh, I can I can withstand that. Uh, and and learn the skills, and we'll talk about this more, I guess, midway through the episode. Um, but then finally, you know, I, I had the itch, and I said, you know what, I've I've done investment banking for six years, which is a long time for somebody to do investment banking. Um, and and I went back to business school, and I en ended up starting Gips. Um, so that's kind of the journey. This segment is sponsored by Bedrock Business Builders, a small business startup specialist. Start, build, 
manage. Yeah, well, congrats on taking that leap. I'm sure it was very exciting to you. We're going to learn all about what happened behind the scenes. And I want to thank you for kicking us off. Everyone listening on, this is That Entrepreneur Show. My name is Vincent A. Lancey, and I am your host. You can learn about me at vincentalancey.com or at Vincent A. Lancey on social media. Well, as I mentioned, I'm very excited for today's show. We are touching on before the episode starts. Both of us have the finance background that turned into entrepreneurship and more importantly, some purpose-driven work. I love what I read at least about this company that you're able to make it meaningful no matter what you do. Something is going to come of value and something from your heart, something close to you have the options to pick it. Tell us all about your company. Yeah. So Gives runs donation incentives for brands. So we want to be ultimately where we want to go is we want to power you want as, as a brand, you want somebody to buy something or you want somebody to post something on social media or you want somebody to start a free trial, whatever it is that you want somebody to do. If you're a commercial real estate company, you want people to pay rent on time. If you're a restaurant, you want them to buy, you know, the pitcher of margaritas because that's where you make the most margin. Whatever it is that you want somebody to do, you should incentivize them with donation incentives. And we're just scratching the surface here. So our initial wedge is in e-commerce where brands are trying to, you know, they've had an average order value of, let's say, $50 for the past two years, they have not been able to figure out, you know, how do we get that up from 50 bucks, people just come on our site, they spend 50 bucks. And so now you could say, hey, spend $75 or more, get 5% of your purchase back to give to a charity of your choice. And so when somebody has $50 in the card, it says, hey, don't forget, you have 20, if you spend $25 more, you're gonna get 5% of your entire purchase back to give to whatever charity you care about most. And so that's the technology that we've built. And so within e-commerce, we, we have multiple now dozens of case studies where people had that $50 AOV. Now they have a $65, $70 AOV just by putting a banner on top of their site like that. And there are multiple kind of endless ways that you can utilize this, but I've, I've learned to keep it simple. Here's the one example that people can really understand and internalize, but there's everything under the sun that comes after that. I like the idea of keeping it simple, even in a different category. I, would, I went out to eat yesterday uh, down the road and I look at the menu. There was 60 different options and I was all over the place. I didn't know what to pick. <laughs> I think simplifying and finding something that works best is a great message to our audience. Stick to what works. Do you have yep. aspirations of going bigger than the donation, evolving this company or what's on track for the company? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think first things first, we, we've, we've kind of got our wedge in e-commerce. Now we have Betterment, a financial institution who's a, who's a client of ours, incentivizing people to make deposits, incentivizing people to sign up for Betterment. Um, and again, giving them money to donate when they do so. Um, we have a commercial real estate company, as I mentioned, looking to do this for giving people $10 to give to a charity when they pay their rent on time. Um, we have a restaurant doing this, you know, to sell currently on the Upper West Side, you know, more bow buns of the month than they than they've ever sold before. Uh, we had a te te actually actually Michael Jordan's tequila company had done a campaign where they said, you know, tag Sincoro Tequila on uh, on Instagram, where you're with a picture of yourself enjoying uh, a cup of Sincoro, and you can go ahead and get 20 bucks to give to a charity of your choice. So some really cool stuff there. I want to expand out in, into that piece. But then, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. On, on top of donations, we can actually start to drive other incentives uh, as well, whether it starts to reach out to more broadly, like a GoFundMe-esque type of thing, like some sort of impact in your community that's a little bit more 
local and but with that comes a whole other host of issues like vetting all the causes et cetera et cetera right now it's very straightforward it has to be a registered 501c3 in the united states and in good standing with the irs yeah that's probably the best way to do it. well congrats on all the early success i look forward to seeing what's next for you but it's a lot different than investment banking what would you say two of the more challenging areas of being on your own are yeah, I think so. On the investment banking side, I was really dealing with growth companies that had been around for five plus years that had data to mine and sift through. And, and you know, I would create models and create, you know, Excel spreadsheets with 180 different charts, right? And we'd look at all these different charts and say like, okay, these are the good ones. And this is the nature of positioning, I guess, a company for sale or for, or for capital raising. And I, you know, pick out like, okay, here are the five best charts that we can put on the page and it's filled with historical data. And so, yes, I can point, I can prove that this, you know, this chart does in fact look like this same source sales have been growing, you know, 35% year over year consistently for the past five years and, you know, put a nice Kager line on it and, 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 and off to the races. I think the biggest difference when I went to, you know, when I went out on my own, I was like, hey, I, this should be my strong suit, right? Like selling companies is what I did. Capital raising is what I did for a living. Um, and and now it, the big difference was there's no data. You are selling a dream. There is there is no data to back this up. You are just saying, yeah, I think that you're really selling yourself that I'm the right person to tackle this problem because of X, Y, and Z. It has nothing to do with your historical financial performance because you don't have any historical financial performance. I love that selling the dream versus selling the data. I'm putting in the show notes for when this goes live. Um, <laughs> it's easier to sell in, in the early, early stages, by the way, it's easier to sell the dream than it is the data. So that's one of the pieces of information uh, advice that I got early on that was extremely helpful, um, which was, you know, people are like, oh, hey, I just want to get my first you know, bit of revenue in before I raise my pre-seed round. Actually, once you start getting revenue in the door, then people are like, okay, you have revenue in the door. Why is it not growing at this rate, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you, you always, you're almost better off selling the dream before you start to get the data. And then once you get the data in, just know that you're going to be measured on the data and the dream's not going to be as uh, interesting anymore. I love the perspective. Everyone out there, take this in. This is golden nugget after golden nugget. But before we head into the spotlight story, I do want to ask you, what is your greatest lesson you've had so far in entrepreneurship? I mean, so I think what's I, what I've trying to been what I've been wrestling with and, and trying to reconcile in my brain is that you read all of these cliche things and you know that they're you know that it's true, but you still can't internalize it and don't act on it as fast as you should until you learn it the hard way. And so like silly things like it's all about the people and people and you read that and you're like, hey, you need to hire fast and fire faster. And it's like, okay. But then you run a company and you realize, no, this really happens. Like you, you hire somebody and then you know within a month that they, they're not the right person, but you try to fit them into it, but they took a chance on you. You took a chance on them. You want to make it work so badly that all of a sudden you're 12 months in and you're like, I should have fired this guy 11 months ago. And that is a real thing that happens and you read about it and you're like, okay, um, you need to do that. So I think if I were to start angel investing, which I'm, I'm not, please, you know, I'm not, not in any, <laughs> in any way, shape or form doing that. But if I were to be doing that, I would ask people, Hey, have you fired your first employee yet? Because you should just hire somebody and fire somebody to see that it can be, it will be okay. It's better off for you and for, and for them when it ultimately happens, but it's a really hard thing to do. I am finally with the 
great employee who's helping me in my TikToks, illustrating my next book. But as far as interns, I can resonate where I had three interns and it was for college credits. When I was in college, I needed that to, to graduate. But oh, now right. I've learned that that's not enough for kidding. It's not, it has to be paid. It has to be paid competitively. Accountability issues just gone and gone. I should have, the second one wasn't a great fit, but I needed somebody. So I tried to make it work, spend hours and hours onboarding each one, thinking if I put the time in up front on the back end, I'll have more free time to do other things. And I was playing catch up. Really, to this day, my social media isn't isn't where yeah. it's caught up. But I guess you have to live and learn a lot in entrepreneurship. There is no blueprint. You've heard me say that before if you've tuned in. There's no textbook on how to do your business in entrepreneurship. It's a lot of trial and error. But I wouldn't have it any other way. I love what I do, and I can't wait to see how it grows, just like you. I think it's a great time now, though, Andrew, to get into the spotlight story. And as I mentioned, we have an all-star investment banker turned entrepreneur on the show today. And we're about to go over an article from IB Insider that talks about the critical skills required to succeed. Article starts, there are many reasons why investment bankers make the switch towards becoming entrepreneurs. These include retaining total company profits, the satisfaction of creative freedom, independence from a line manager or company and working flexible hours, They will start a business from passion for what they do and believe that they have the qualities to succeed in the cut world world of business. Furthermore, running a business gives the owner a sense of accomplishment and pride in building a company from the ground up. And now we're going to delve into this article a little bit more. There are many crucial skills that the entrepreneurial investment bankers need in order to create successful businesses, leadership, communication skills, time management, problem solving, risk management, negotiation skills, and motivating a team. All of these fall under the umbrella of product, of project management. These skills are the competencies and characteristics a person requires to organize a project from start to finish effectively, and the manager has to execute and deliver a successful business plan, including but not limited to drafting timelines and correctly administering each project phase. Very interesting here that a big ta- uh, emphasis on leadership, which I think is important in entrepreneurship. All projects have a deadline as each task within the project. Therefore, excellent time management is key to keeping the project on time and running smoothly. The responsibility thus includes creating timelines for the project and ensuring the whole team meets deadlines. And then I want to just touch on one more thing before we dive back into Andrew and we talk about motivational encouragement that can inspire and stimulate individuals and teams to achieve significant accomplishments beyond their original, excuse me, expectations. In addition, motivation can create an environment that encourages teamwork and collective initiatives to distinctly improve a team's work ethic, producing higher quality work to complete a task or a project. Andrew, what do you take away from that? Any resonation with your projects? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton there, right? Uh, that's it's it's interesting that you become a project manager as the CEO of a company when it's first starting out. That is it, it, exactly accurate, right? Um, and then from the motivational side, I think that's something. As an investment banker, I was six years in. I had you know one person underneath me on most of the deals that I was doing by by the end of my time there. Um, and so motivating that one person was. Uh, was definitely a learning experience and something that I got good at over time. But then having you know a team of six underneath you uh, is is a whole different ball game. Um, and so you know when we started out, we were really good, and and then and then the team of six, it was like okay, my 
way of doing that still was like one-on-one-esque motivation, but something that I'd like to, that I started working on and that I'm now still working on, quite honestly, is being able to talk to everybody at once and motivate the full team at once and not be able to have the luxury of talking to everybody one-on-one every single week. Um, that starts to eat up way too much time of their time, of my time. Um, and so we still, have, of course, have monthly check-ins where I can be in that face-to-face type of role, but I really need to make the most of, of you know, all team syncs, et cetera, et cetera. And as that grows from six to 20 to 100, I just can't even imagine, you know, uh, how, how much harder this gets. I put that in the show notes there. I think that it's a great advice where you just shed light on. You can't treat the same situation each time, motivating one employee, motivating the team, recognizing differences through employees. I think that's very important, very impactful. Thank you for touching on that. Now we're going to dive back into the show. We've learned all about Gibbs. We've learned his greatest lesson learned, some advice he's been given, and the most challenging parts of entrepreneurship to him. We're now going to ask for some more advice, but in a different way. Andrew, if you could recommend any resource, whether it's a book, app, any tool to our community of entrepreneurs to help them succeed, which would it be? And please describe it. So um, The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz uh, of Andreessen Horowitz. That um, is a book that I was recommended when I first started out on this journey. And it's just so true one of those things that you read and you're just like damn i know this is going to be true it is and and it's kind of consistent with my with my (laughs) earlier advice but i think reading this book i've had to now read it twice and i should probably read it a third time um just you know to keep understanding you know that this is if you're embarking on this entrepreneurial journey it is hard it is really freaking hard and there's hard things even about the hard things and that's what uh, i think this is all about Thank you for the recommendation as a reader. I am looking forward to adding that to my queue. But before we end the show, it's time for my favorite question. And I've mentioned this before. I've wrestled with the idea of removing the question because I've learned that people like shorter episodes. and I'm trying to cater to that. But I like to learn more about my guests. If you could choose to sit down and learn from any entrepreneur, Andrew, dead or alive, anyone throughout history, who are you having a meetup with? So, so I guess I got asked this question, my, like the first time I got asked this question, it was posed to me as who would you, who would you want to have dinner with who was alive, you know, an entrepreneur who's alive, who you want to have dinner with, and who might actually respond uh, if we tag them on social media. So that was like the extra little piece. And so I was like, you know what, who, like, I know Mark Cuban responds to everything, right? And so I answered really? in there. And so then like, yeah, if you cold email Mark Cuban, allegedly he responds, right? Um, and so, and and I think Gary Vee also responds to a lot of stuff, but now he gets so many requests that he yeah. says, you know, he'll respond for the first 10 minutes or whatever. Um, but the, but Mark Cuban, if you email him, he will respond still allegedly um and so i think that is something where i was like you know what if we tag him maybe he'll respond you never let's, know all right let's put it to the test he didn't he didn't respond to the last one and now i get asked about this a, a decent amount i would love to i mean i also share the passion for technology and sports and so i love seeing him go nuts on the sidelines the Mavs games and stuff like that and so would love to just uh chat with him that'd be great all right well delve a little deeper where do you want to sit down with mark i mean may as well sit down courtside at a Mavs game <laughs> that works if that works for uh for him uh and that would be that'd be great especially if they're playing the Knicks then the Knicks will probably lose so he'll be happy and uh we can we can watch that game 
Yeah, we want him in a good mood, and the Knicks most likely, unfortunately, yeah. will lose. Now I'm in yeah. my Jets season, so my Jets. Are you a Jets fan or Giants fan? So I'm actually, I'm actually not. That one's a weird one for me. I'm a now Las Vegas Raiders fan. Um, I okay. makes no sense whatsoever. But my father was a Oakland Raider fan back in the day, um, and so I was just dressed up in Raider stuff from the. Well, now you have Devonte, so you have to be happy. I'm very excited about Devonte. Unlike uh, any receiver since. Tim Brown that the Raiders have had. So very excited. It could have been Antonio Brown, but I don't think he even played a game for you, right? Certainly did not. Yeah, certainly did not. Just froze his feet off and then uh and then never played a game. <laughs> yeah, we could have a whole nother episode on sports, but I mean if you look at <laughs> certain athletes when they go through these inc- severe moments in the media and they try to Le'Veon Bell, if you remember, he was yeah. the best running back in the league before he dude came to the Jets and did all that holdout, whatever. And Antonio Brown, I think, is out of the league now. Yeah, I, I don't think he's in. Yeah, I don't think he's even. That's a shame. But all right, well, thank you for the great episode here, Andrew. Real fun catching up, talking with you. But can you now share your social media website, any ways for our listeners to learn more about what you're doing or say hello? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So gibbs.com, G I V Z.com. Uh, we got that four-letter domain, which was an interesting story, but for another time, um, gives.com, GIVZ.com is the best way to learn more about us, contact us, download a free ebook, um, et cetera, et cetera. Learn more about Gives Incentives in general. Um, you could also have a little chat bubble there where I'm manning the chat quite often uh, or, or uh, uh, another co-founder of mine. So feel free to chat with us there. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram or Twitter at getgives, G-E-T-G-I-V-Z, um, on both Instagram and Twitter, and you can interact with us there as well. Appreciate you sharing that, G-I-V-Z. Be sure to go check out all it is about, and we are at That Entrepreneur Show, and I am at Vincent A. Lancey. Be sure to check out my YouTube channel as Writing With Authors is nearing episode 50. It's been awesome to connect with published writers all over the world. Be sure to stay tuned for next week. We have another great show ahead. And thank you for tuning in. And Andrew, thanks for stopping by. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun.